This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Hello and welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast. We're sitting here with Melanie Tardiff. Welcome, Melanie. Welcome to Sea to Sky podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to, to be here and have the opportunity to speak with, with you and your audience and listeners. And of course, you're running for Whistler Council. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and you are billing yourself as the green candidate. Yes, definitely. I'm hoping to sit in the green chair on council. Is there yeah. no one else on council that's the, that is the green candidate? I think everyone definitely is in this community, but uh, I know Kathy's very green-minded and, and Arthur DeJong uh, as well, and I'm sure uh, many others. Mm-hmm. Okay, so specifically, what is being the green candidate? What Try and tell our listeners, you know, the broad strokes. What does that mean? Well, and what it means is that you're advocating for the the environment and that... Um, but like like I say, I don't think there's anybody that's not advocating yeah. for the environment. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of policy, in terms of things that you'd like to see done uh, at a local level, you know, what... what do you bring to the table? Uh, well, my background's in applied ecology or natural sciences. I studied in Montreal at Vanier College ecological technology. So being an ecologist or, or uh, an environmentalist, that certainly is my passion. And I, I want to see everyone's well-being and basic human needs met. So that's clean air, clean water to drink, you know, safe food and, and uh, a home. <laughs> but uh, other than that, for Whistler, it's it's really making sure that we are that the the environment is in the the forefront on the agenda, and we're looking at everything possible to make sure that we are safeguarding the uh, the environment and and our natural resources. Does that mean building codes? Does that mean reducing development? Does that mean mm-hmm. uh, I don't know? I mean, I imagine mass transit would probably be a factor there. What what are yeah. some of the things that, that you foresee that you'd like if, you know, money no cost, barring, barring you know, any economic hurdles, what were some of the things that if you could do it tomorrow, you'd do? Oh, yeah. So some low-hanging fruit, you Yeah, mean? there you go. Okay. Well, of course, my one of the parts, uh, po- main points to my platform is um, waste reduction and uh, seeing plastic uh, get phased out. So single-use disposable items, we have unfortunately this addiction to plastic in, in our society. It comes with human behavior and, and change, like personal changes, to start to get away from that that dependency, um, which will also certainly help with uh, the the oil and gas addiction as well. So our, the fossil fuel consumption to to start to see alternative solutions there. Um, for otherwise, for other low-hanging fruit. You know, you you mentioned policies and other things like that. That to me is the biggest the biggest one. We we need to look at our our waste and um, oh yeah, and then transit. You mentioned quickly. So right now in Whistler, the biggest contributor to the greenhouse gases is single use or pardon me, single so, occ- occupancy vehicles on right, the highway. Right. To see how we can mitigate that through. Uh, carpooling, rideshare. Well, you, you know, somebody, I've asked the other candidates mm-hmm. this because we we did see an, an inordinate amount of traffic coming up the highway this summer. I think there was a traffic jam coming to a village almost every, every yeah. weekend this summer. You yeah. know, is it possible to bring visitors in via mass transit? Now, a lot of them would say no because people like to drive the car, like to get in the car yes. and say, hey, let's go to Whistler for the day or yeah. let's go to Whistler for the weekend. 
I don't know. Do you, do you see an I, a yeah. way that we could bring people up via mass transit? Yeah, and we can't force anyone not to drive their cars. It's their own personal choice, um, and, and people want to. That's the thing. So we have to educate them. We have to maybe create incentives for them. Um, I do see a way that we can bring mass transit up here. Uh, it's too bad that a lot of the Greyhound buses got cut and are redu- there's reduced uh, scheduling and, and whatnot. But um, I think this is obviously... a uh, in terms of the municipal ju- out of, outside of our jurisdiction, um, but we can certainly lobby f- with uh, Victoria and the provincial government to help these big problems. Whistler bottlenecks rate the the highway bottlenecks rate right at um, function, right function, yeah, and uh, the traffic starts way down at the Callahan to the the backup. Yeah, so the of the let's yeah. generally where the traffic jams were this summer. Uh-huh. Um, on a on a more local level. One about there has been the idea of a proposal of having counterflow lanes from function, mm-hmm. you know, similar to what we had in the Olympics, like the two, right. the extra like spare in the, in lane. Yeah. So would that not just create more vehicles on the road? Some people argue that there, you know, if there's another lane, that there would be more vehicles. Now that's hard to say because to me it's probably the same number of people coming up, and it's not going to. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't articulate that very well. Just to, just in case anyone's unfuzzy on what I was mm-hmm. trying to say, there. It's in the morning. We have an extra lane going north, yeah. and in the evening, an extra lane going south. Sort of like at um, in Stanley Park, right. on Lionsgate Bridge. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I see that as. A, a, so not an more ca- not more cars, but just making yeah. it easier for cars. Yeah, for the current the current level of, of traffic, that is certainly an option. But then you're saying that that just might it might encur- it might encourage more people to drive instead of taking the bus. Yeah, um, and I want to get people out of their cars ultimately. Okay. Uh, then I had a question asked at the all candidates meeting regarding um, train, like a high speed train, or or just utilizing the the rail the railway system here. Well, the um, a high speed train is unfeasible because of it's, the. It would be a totally different. But that doesn't rails. mean we couldn't have a train. We could look at that in the future as a high um, density method of of. Well, there used there used to be a train. Commuters. I rode on it. Yeah. It was actually quite pleasant. Yeah, I, I from Montreal. I would ride the the metro uh, every morning to go to school, and that was my favorite time of the day. <laughs> People watch, and also like to study and just to be in my zone. And you, you're not distracted by driving or look. You know, you have you're. It's a way to also maybe even meditate to get ready for your meeting that day, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that is the, the solution. It would be uh, public transit and whether it's buses, a train in the future, it, of course. But when you say train, are you talking about train for the corridor or train for Whistler? Uh, the corridor. Yeah, I would I imagine think that would be. It would be Vancouver to even Kamloops. It would have to connect all the little major cities along the Sea to Sky Corridor. Uh, certainly all the way to at least uh, maybe Lillooet, if not Kamloops. But, yeah. Because they, they, they actually did, back in the day, um, it's amazing, 100 years ago, they actually had a, an electrified train line that no connected way. Brackendale and what was then called... 
Newport, which is now called Squamish, but they actually had a commuter, an electrified commuter rail train 100 years ago. That's so cool. Like, um, I want to see that. I want to see it, that come it, it back. It kind of boggles the mind. You think, well, <laughs> they had that 100 years ago. What what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, they also had electric cars, and then they got phased out somehow. Well, yeah, because they went five miles per hour, but that, that's a different story. Okay, so anyways. Getting past trains, that's something yeah. that's not going to happen uh, tomorrow or probably even next year. Yeah. What's something that does ha- need to happen? It's, not gonna ha- it's also not going to happen tomorrow, but, but it does need to happen by next year is housing. Yeah, housing is a hot topic for this election. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, yeah. And, and you know what? To be fair, it's always been. It has been for decades it now. It has always. You're not, and you're so how right. come we haven't addressed this? It's urgency right at this point. We're, we are in a housing crisis. So we need to help out these um, individuals that are, quote, I'm using quotes right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to call them homeless, but they, they are in, a, in, a, in need of a home. Right. Okay. Not like the typical homeless person that we imagine, but they are certainly either living in their vans or on a couch. Well, home, homelessness or, is taking on a whole whole new definition. This yeah. isn't just Whistler. Yeah. When we are seeing it, you know, there are people that are struggling. Uh, you know, not just here, but Squamish, Vancouver, yeah. and really, I think probably across the whole country. But I mean, this area certainly is feeling it very acutely. Um, and mm-hmm. as you say, they're. They're, I mean, for lack of a better term, they're the new homeless. But what is the solution? Well, there has been lots of talk about different um, options there. So firstly, I want to say that I'm really pleased to see that they're... The current administration um, council has a- approved or, or passing uh, the proposals of certain uh, developments, such as Chekmis uh, Phase Two, uh, the. The one up in Rainbow, um, Nordic, and the one across from Nestor's. There's seven of them, right? So we're, we're going to see more housing happen in the next few years. It doesn't happen immediately, and, uh, but it, it takes time, and hopefully that can... And then there's also the Whistle Black Home staff housing, the dormitory-style yeah. housing coming out, um, which, is, which is great. So hopefully that'll alleviate things. Um, otherwise... I do believe that modular housing is an option. Now, I also had someone during the Warka All Candidates meeting say, oh, I'm not voting for you because you said modular housing. All right, so there's going to be people for and against everything, any kind of yeah. proposal or idea. But maybe maybe explain your, your vision of modular housing. Why I want that? It's because it can be temporary. It's easy to quickly pop up and, and you know, Eventually, if they, we need that land for something else, tear down whatever it is. It just has to be done right. There's uh, there's cheap modular housing, which it doesn't look good, and then there's some really well done modular ho- housing like they did up in Pemberton and in Vancouver, which is right in the center of town on False Creek in the Athletes Village there. So. Yes, and you're not you're not the only candidate to bring that up. Yeah. And I guess the thinking is that you can bring in modular housing quickly. And it can be taken away as more permanent solutions are brought forward. Is that... Yeah. I don't want to put words Absolutely. in your mouth. Absolutely. Exactly what I mean. And at the same time, you can also say, okay, for this individual, you have, you're have you here for 12 months. Um, is your, your, your the time allocated for this particular um, unit you're in? Or And then they would have to go out and actively look for another place during that 12-month period. Um and so that kind of helps those th- that are coming here, that are transient, that are here to stay for just a uh, two-year visa, whatever they have. And yeah. 
affordable housing. That's um, certainly something that's a puzzle to solve. Yeah. And I, I do have one other idea I'd like to look in, into more detail, but housing co-ops and seeing if that would be a, another possibility in this community. Um, people like to come together. There is, a, in the Vital Signs report, they talked about a sense of belonging. So maybe a, a housing co-op might actually help uh, with, with that issue. Now, are you talking about housing to purchase? I'm I mean, they do have they do have co-ops. I mean, in the city and other uh, to, other places. Yeah. and that's the idea of a co-op is you do invest. But you in have to put you have to put more money down. You mm-hmm. can't just it's it's usually about twenty to thirty percent as opposed to five to ten percent down. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd like to look at that and, and figure out the uh, the details a little bit more and see if that's something I would support. But it's another option, and as are many other options. And we've got the infill housing pro- pro- program that's already. Um, something that was brought in uh, with this last administration um, and I'd like to see more incentives for those who are uh, owners in this community to help with the housing crisis and, and bring in more people like for example my situation my landlord's a friend of mine and he he had a, a, a studio above his garage and I knew he did and it was just storage at, at the time and I asked him can you please help me out? I need a home. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, okay, well, if you help me, like, move all the storage. And I, you know, I did. I just helped him, and we, like, fixed up the place for, for me to live there, and he opened it up. So are there anyone else, uh, any other people that have, like, a spare bedroom that they're not using that they could help uh, with some of these individuals? Well, that, that makes me, that's, uh, to me, that begs the question, Airbnb what do you want to do about Airbnb? Because the, there there goes a lot of those spare rooms that you're talking about. Yeah, well, there are, there's definitely illegal nightly rentals that they're, they're cracking down on that with the uh, enforcement. But yeah, I guess it, that's another discussion, whether do we need, is it for vi- visitors or is it for um, residents that are here temporary uh who's renting these Airbnb places. Speaking of visitors, Mm. what do you think about diversifying the economy? There there has been some talk, well, there's been talk for quite a number of years about making education um, another revenue generator for the Valley. Mm. Um, There's been other proposals. Do you you have some ideas along along that direction about uh, opening up the resort to the possibility of other things besides mountain biking, skiing, and snowboarding? I don't know if that we ha- if we have the capacity for that. So Whistler's basis, the primary um, what gener- generates our revenue is tourism, and that's the the foundation of our our beautiful community. So um, we need to see. Okay, well, if 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 you're talking education, are we discussing like the the university proposal on the Zenlands? Seems like that. Quashed. Seems like that's actually dead. So <laughs> it's quashed for sure. And, yeah. But whether um, we could have other types of education for people to yeah like come up uh, maybe it's team building situations for corporate businesses that are here for the our conference and and they can go on a little um, workshop outing in the the forest and we can talk about ecology and the importance of stewardship maybe that could be an educational uh, piece that we can bring in um, yeah it you know but you know you say you want to be the green chair but you know one thing that probably some people might be concerned about is that if you're the green chair are you opposed to expanding the resort are you are you opposed to business 
that's a great segue to my uh, primary point on my platform of over-tourism. So I see um, the future of, of Whistler's ski industry um, a concern. So we are noticing the glaciers are melting faster than we've ever seen before and and it poses the question what what does the 10 20 year uh, future look like i'm not necessarily opposed to growth but i do believe that we need to slow down and look at things more strategically okay so tourism carrying capacity we can analyze metrics that will talk to how many people can actually be in the community um, year-round, how many people visitors can be here uh, putting so much pressure on our sewage system, water con- uh, consumption, and so on. How many people in the restaurants, in the hotels, in our parks, on the mountain, that sort of thing. Figuring this out and then looking, stepping back and looking at the big picture. Can we have access management plans? Can we look at other ideas of, okay, if we're going to be expanding trails into the backcountry in the Alpine, we need to see more ecological management plans and um, ecosystem management plans, right? EBMs. But you realize there's going to be small business operators that you're talking about their lifespan blood who may not feel like they want another level of government bureaucracy telling them they can't do what they're doing. Well, it's the reality of, of the future. We need to to slow down. It, looking at the natural step, which was the, the basis of what Whistler 20, the vision, Whistler 2020's vision is based around, we need to slow down on our, our um, development of things and grow more strategically. We need to look at a way that is sustainable for the number of people that are living here. And to go back on over tourism, places like the Yosemite, Hawaii, um, Venice in Italy and, and other places around the world are already looking at this and figuring out what they can do because that's their, I guess, same with them. It's the foundation of, of their economy. and, and um, if Well, Yosemite is a, is a national park. I want to say national park, not state Yosemite, park. But, yeah. I mean, it is beautiful and it is packed. Um, it, it is a shame. But they don't, they don't need to worry about their economy. Venice, yeah, that's a different story. Uh, Hawaii, of course, mm-hmm. those are... And these are sensitive areas. You know, the, in, I think it was in the Philippines or one of the beaches in either Indonesia or the Philippines... They closed down the beach to allow for restoration and rehabilitation for the coral reefs to, to come back. And, and it's it's important that we do look at things like that. I'm really pleased that the municipality this summer closed down Lost Lake to allow for the little tiny toads migration. Little baby steps like that are going to help us towards stewardship in the, in the long run. Right. Okay. Well, Melanie, do you, anything to add before we wrap this up? Yeah, a few things. I know I've been like able to uh, look back at the last three All Candidates meetings and some of the things I've said and maybe make some corrections. I, I know I'm the youngest individual on uh, candidate for running for council right now, and I don't want to necessarily asso- associate myself as a millennial, but um, I recently found out I'm in the demographics known as the Xennials, which is awesome. I I do want to represent that demographic. Um, And it's sad because a lot of these uh, millennials aren't necessarily even allowed to vote. They're not, uh, they're immigrants, they're temporary. Well, they're not allowed to vote because they're not citizens. They're not citizens. And they do want to be... There's a reason for that. For sure. And they do want to be a part of the democratic process. So I want to encourage them to do as much as they can. 
so so that was one thing I wanted to correct myself on and um, as well finally just get, letting everyone know that I I've been on a spiritual journey and for me it's I'm so pleased I did this at a younger age it's allowed me to be more compassionate and and see the world um, um, where I'm able to maybe uh, dissolve the ego and, and be less um, like uh, egocentric in a sense there when you have someone who's connected mind and body they they're really balanced and able to see um, a different perspective and uh, we need to start to come together and, and work to as as more of a we community as opposed to a me community. So um, I guess that's my last little... And, and with those profound words, <laughs> we thank you again for talking with us. And Thanks. good luck October 20th. And remember, get out and vote October 20th. Thank this you so much, been, This has been... Thank you, Melanie. Okay. This has been Sea to Sky Podcast. This is the Sea to Sky Podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on 